said, we're in this series called Collide. And we kicked it, things off by looking into biblical principles of standing firm in our faith last week. And the world attempts to offer us a different set of values than what we have in our faith. And it includes things that initially we said last week are seductive and appealing, but ultimately they're inconsistent and difficult to stand on. So how do we pursue the things of Christ? Well, we allow ourselves to be led by the Holy Spirit into all truth. And when we do, we start to experience the abundant life that Jesus talked about and he came to give us. But how do you keep that experience going day by day? And I believe God desires three things from us as we move forward in life after we lay that foundation of following Jesus Christ, uh, accepting him as our Lord and Savior. And that is the thing we're going to discuss today, three things on how to, uh, on being transformed. So I have a question for you. What does that mean, to be transformed? To be changed. Allowing correction. To become different, yeah. All good answers here. Um, when Jesus rescues us and when we follow him, he begins a process in each one of us that takes us from where we are to a life that's secure and centered on him. And it's true that Jesus loves us just the way we are, and you've maybe heard this before, he loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. So... Um, Jesus gave his life so that I could have mine, that you could have yours. Uh, not just to have a mediocre life, right? It's not just to be, you know, this subpar life. That's not why we come to follow Jesus Christ. His desire is that we have that rich, full, abundant life in him. Uh, transformation, it's not quick and it's not overnight. It's really going to take your whole life. And uh, it takes time, it takes dedication and commitment on our part. And the question we have to ask ourselves, are we willing to allow God to transform us? So if you have um, a Disney subscription on your TV, uh, then you know that there's a series they are producing uh, in the Marvel movies called She-Hulk. And uh, there's a picture of it. We'll leave that up for a minute. This is about a woman, Jen Walters, who's a lawyer. You notice it's a She-Hulk attorney at law. And uh, she's a lawyer, and her cousin is Bruce Banner, who is the Hulk, okay? And so somehow they were in a car ride, they got in an accident, and their blood got mixed, and she became the She-Hulk. And uh, so she goes from being Jen, this normal person, into this large, powerful, green-hued version of herself, looking like that. Okay, that's probably enough of that. Okay, Jen transforms into somebody with superhuman strength, speed, stamina, and durability. And the reason people like to watch this series and series like it is because it shows an ordinary person transforming into a superhero with amazing abilities, becoming really extraordinary. And I believe that God desires to make that same work in our lives. Not to turn us green and hulky, okay? But to be transformed. Uh, many of us have been tempted to follow the patterns of the world, and we get caught up in sinful behavior that doesn't ultimately fulfill us. But God really does know best. In fact, there's a verse in the Bible that talks about this. Turn with me to Romans 12, 
if you have your Bible there, Romans 12, verse 2. And this is Paul writing under the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The conform there, that word means like if you take like, uh, how many of you guys ever used Play-Doh when you were a kid? Okay. It's like taking that stamp and into the Play-Doh, and it, the Play-Doh conforms into the shape of the stamp. And so what he's saying is don't let the world put its stamp on you and make you like it. Uh, but be transformed, be changed by the renewing of your mind. And Paul is giving us an equation in this verse. First there's subtra uh, subtraction, then there's an addition, and finally an outcome. And I want us to look at that together to find what the keys to transformation are for us in our lives. And the, so these are the keys to transformation. The first thing is the say no to the world. The first thing Paul invites us to do is simply say no to the patterns of the world. Don't allow that stamp to come and make you just like it. I'm a firm believer that in everyone's life, there's a rhythm of some kind. You know, you have this way that you do life. That's your rhythm. Um, some of us have healthy rhythm, rhythms. For example, we wake up early each morning, and I know some people don't think this is healthy, but most of us drink a cup of coffee, <laughs> you know, and then spend some time in God's word and in prayer and complete. Maybe, maybe you really got this great rhythm where you actually then do a workout. Boy, you are great if you can get all that in in the morning before you go to work. Um, others of us, however, might find ourselves caught up in some unhealthy rhythms. Uh, what are some examples of unhealthy rhythms? Being lazy. Yeah, that'd be unhealthy. Not getting enough sleep. Eating junk. Eating junk food. Is that a percentage thing? I mean, does it matter how, what big a percentage? Uh, no, eating, eating food, that's not good for you. <laughs> yeah, unhealthy rhythms can be physical things, like what we're talking about, lack of exercise or eating things that aren't good or, you know, not getting enough sleep. But unhealthy rhythms can also be spiritual. Uh, being stuck in a sinful behavior, one that you know is not right, that God's word, uh, the Bible says, don't be doing that, and you're doing it. Okay, that's an unhealthy rhythm. If you've been in this season where you've allowed the things of the world to lead you astray, um, that's being stuck in this cycle maybe and not knowing how to get out of it. Sometimes that can happen. We start doing things that we know are not good, but it's hard to pull ourselves out of it. However, we have to come to the place where we're willing to say um, no. We're willing to say no to those things, and God wants to bring us to that place. If you would turn in your Bibles to page 978 in the Orange Bibles, or uh, it's Luke 15, we're going to read verse 11 to 24. That's a, a good passage there to see some unhealthy rhythms. So if you've got the Orange Bible, page 978. So Luke 15, starting at verse 11, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. <clears throat> so he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, 
set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who set, sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So the son here, the younger son, has allowed the things of the world and the desires, uh, those sinful desires to crowd out the things of the Lord in his life. And he's falling further and further away the longer he's in this distant country. And he got himself into some unhealthy rhythms. But truthfully, he was already in some of those before he even left. Because when he asked his father for his inheritance, basically that was so rude and so not a good thing to do. It was like telling his father, yeah, I wish you were dead, so give me my money. So already he's in an unhealthy way of disrespecting uh, his father. And then he goes to this distant land and he's a party guy, going to all these parties because, you know, the people there, they think that's fun and they think that's good. And so he just falls in and does what they're doing. And he's squandering his money. He's not being uh, careful about how he's living his life. He's doing the things that the people around him are encouraging him to do. And this shows that he made some really poor choices, right? And it shows that he eventually runs out of money, poor choices he's making. And he had no choice but to hire himself out to a pig farmer. So have you ever driven past a hog farm? Uh, what does it smell like? Not good. No, not good. No. Can you imagine working there in that all the time? And as this young man is hanging out with the pigs, it says he finally came to his senses. I guess when you're surrounded by that, that has a way of getting to you. <laughs> and his heart here starts being transformed by God. He, he wants to go home, and he knows that he's not done well. He knows he's made poor choices, and he says, I've got to go home because even my father's servants are living better than I am right now. And he goes and he leaves to go home and he's practicing what he's going to say on the way there and he's going to repent and tell his father that he's sinned and he's got this all in his head. And he's going home to a father who apparently has been watching for him every day. His father sees him when he's a long ways off 
and he runs to him and grabs him and hugs him and kisses him and tells him he's glad he's there. And the son starts saying the thing he's been rehearsing all the way home. Father, I've, I've sinned and I, I, I'm, I sinned against you and against God and Lord, and I, and I want to come home. And, and the father pretty much just cuts him off, right? He didn't get the whole thing out. He got a part of it out. And the father says, quick, go get the robe. He's telling all these servants uh, that are there to get the best, the finest that he has and put on the son because he's glad this son has come home and he's in the process of being transformed by God to the man he should be. And they celebrate him. In your life right now, maybe the first step towards transformation for you is an inner conversation between you and those sinful desires. Sin, you've been creeping back into my life every time I convince myself you are gone. You might say that. Or, and even if you present yourself to me as a temptation, I'm telling you in advance, the answer is no. See, we need to come to our senses and we need to say no to those things of the world that keep coming and trying to drag us away from God. You need to say no to sinful habits just as the prodigal son said no to his lifestyle that he was living in the distant country and no to being with those pigs. By the way, pigs for a Jewish uh, person were considered unclean. They didn't eat them. They weren't even supposed to be around them. And so he, he had to say no to that. That was a further evidence of how far he had fallen. Many of us have an unhealthy rhythm in our life right now because we've been trying to copy the behavior and the customs of the world. You know, some of that can look pretty exciting and good, right? And we've maybe been trying to copy that but that is not what God wants. When we have a rhythm in our life in some form or fashion, we are always mirroring, mirroring something. We either mirror the world and its values or we mirror our God and his word. So we have received this initial thing that Paul wrote about the subtraction that has to take place. We have to say no to the things of the world. So what do we add in its place? Well, the addition is we have to say yes to the way, the way that God has for us. If Once you're able to identify those patterns of the world that you've been following, then there's a, an ability then and a space created for God's transforming work to take place in your life. Jesus desires that we live a life that is constantly seeking to grow in our faith. Well, I have an example. Hang on a sec. Okay, so I have this plant, and you've probably seen it there before in the back when you come in, if you look in that one, on that one window ledge. Okay, so when I water this plant, I water it with water. I give it water. Uh, however, for this plant to continue to grow, I have to continue to give it water. And there was a time when I forgot to water it for a little bit, and, you know, some of the leaves started falling off because it wasn't getting what it needed. But I also can't pour soda on it, or tea, or coffee, you know, even though those might taste good to me, they're not what this plant needs. It has to be the purest of them all. It has to be water. Okay, so in Romans 12:2, Paul is concerned with how we think, and our thought process is important when it comes to our potential in the kingdom of God. 
Often temptation to follow worldly patterns and values begins with a thought. But the same is true for the patterns of Christ in our lives. It begins with our thoughts, with our mind. Spending time reading and studying the word of God will give us the right type of thought process and help us respond well when we are confronted with things in the world each day. And just like the plant, we can't just water our minds with anything or just once in a while. It has to be a healthy routine and rhythm that we enter into. The Bible talks about this concept in Psalm 1. Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2 said, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. See, David wrote this, and he's giving us a real example of the importance of meditating on the Bible, God's word, day and night. Uh, meditating means that we read it. We think about it. We apply it to our lives. And through the day, we might think about it several more times and how that applies to us. Or we might get into a situation where that verse is so totally the verse we needed to read to prepare our hearts for what we're encountering at work. And as we do this, we actually get the word in us. See, God doesn't want us just to read the word. He wants us to get that word in us, in our hearts and in our lives. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. How we're going to think about those things is partly because of what's in the Bible. The work of transformation will only help happen in our lives when we allow God to do it. Maybe something needs to change in your morning or your evening routine. I mean, that way you can allow God to transform you from the inside out by spending time with him. And by doing this, you move all those worldly distractions out of the way. Sit down. Um, what I do is I put my phone on silent. I put it aside. And what's really great is to have a piece of paper and a pen in front of you. And as you're spending time with God, reading his word, just jot down or journal the thoughts he's given you. And then maybe have a post-it note next, next to it in case... Um, all of a sudden you think, oh, I've got to move up my laundry um, because, you know, the devil will really want to give you other thoughts of things you should do to distract you. So if we're journaling and we have a spot to put those random thoughts that come by there too, but spend the rest of the time that you have to spend with the Lord. Make, make like a little appointment every day in the morning or the evening or whenever you can that every day at this time I'm going to read the Word of God. I'm going to read the Bible, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to meditate on his word. Philippians 2, 15 and 16 says, So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Paul is saying there that as we hold firmly to the word of life, as we hold firmly to the Bible and read it and be transformed by it, it makes us shine as children of light. How cool is that? You know, you're an example to people around you of what it looks like to follow Jesus Christ. The transformation begins in your mind. Paul tells us in Romans 12, too, about an outcome as well. 
And once we take the, these steps towards transformation, we've got the subtraction, we've got the addition, there's an outcome. And that is then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And that third point then is to discern your purpose. You know, even though Paul wrote this letter a long time ago in that verse in Romans, it's amazing how God knew what we would need in our lives today. Uh, how do you discern purpose in your life, do you think? What are, what are some things that you would do to discern your purpose? Pray to God for guidance. Ask God for guidance. Seek wise counsel. Yeah, exactly, praying. Uh, you might have spent time searching tirelessly in your life for what is my purpose. Maybe you tried to find it in things in the world and you figured out you couldn't find it there. Or maybe you tried to find your purpose in relationships and found you couldn't. You may have even tried to find your purpose by having a certain social media status and figured out you couldn't through that either. Jesus Christ is the only one who can give you meaning and purpose in your life. He's called you to do great things. Uh, he's called you to do great things, not just for the kingdom of God, but also great things in your life that show others how to know him. Great things in your life that help you be the person he created you to be, like we talk about. Uh, and also there's a verse in Ephesians that talks about how that builds up the church. So as you become who you were meant to be, as you follow the Lord and find out what the purpose is in your life, discern what that purpose is that he has for you, you help other people in the church. How cool is that? By being who God created you to be. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That means that the Holy Spirit in our life, helping us to know our purpose, helping us to live that out, walk that out, that's for the common good, just like I said. How awesome is that? When you and I become who God created us to be, we help each other become who God created them to be. I wonder how many of us have not sensed a call from God because we don't have that healthy rhythm in our life. And we've been distracted from our relationship with Jesus Christ. We haven't been able to sense God's leading because we are really not spending time with him each day. But the good news is this. Don't be discouraged by that. There's still time right now. You can recalibrate your life. The Bible is full of instances where God makes it clear there's still time to give him your life. Even the thief hanging on a cross next to Jesus, you know, they're, they're near death. He had time to receive Jesus Christ for eternal life. In Joel 2.12, it says, Even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. In that book, he was calling Israel back to a relationship with him. And he's inviting, just like God was inviting people there, he's inviting us to turn to him and give him all of our life to run back to him and repent of the things that we shouldn't be doing. Jesus came to earth, and he was tempted by those same things that we're tempted by. Uh, but he didn't sin. 
Then he died on a cross for our sins so we could be transformed into reflections of him. We could be made into the image of Jesus Christ. There's some things I want you to know. You're not too far gone. You're not out of the game. Christ wants you to come back to him. And he has a seat for you at the Father's table. I grew up in a home where my parents were always fighting, and they finally got divorced. And even though we went to a church, in fact, we tried several different ones, I didn't understand what it meant to follow Jesus Christ. In high school, I quit going to church, and I lived my life like I wanted to. And that should tell you I made some poor choices. That was not a good choice I was making there. And the friends I had were also people who made poor choices. When I was 18 years old, several things happened to me that really got my attention and some things that probably could have killed me. A friend and I then went to hear a speaker who was rather well-known at the time who was speaking about how to follow Jesus Christ as your Savior and about surrendering your life to him. And I knew I was not making good choices, and I was following the things of the world, letting that stamp of the world just stamp me and turn me into more like that. And I realized my life, though, was not going in a good way. Uh, I knew I needed to have Jesus in my life. So I repented of my sinful ways, and I asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. And immediately I noticed a difference in my life. Uh, I began to read the Bible. I started going to church again. I started having friends who were making good choices of following Jesus Christ, and they would influence me. I began to pray about things. The, the, the church I was part of showed me what it was like to follow Jesus Christ, and God cleaned up my act. And I'm so glad that I made that decision. It started me on the course of my life as a believer in Jesus Christ. And a verse that became really powerful for me as I started that walk following Jesus Christ was in 2 Peter 1.3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. God showed me he'd given me everything I needed if I would just trust him and follow him. As I would uh, read the word, there was everything I needed there to live a life to be transformed into the image of Christ. And it's not too late for you to make a decision like that today if you need to. In fact, as long as we have breath in our lungs, it is not too late for us to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ, to be more like him. For some of you, that might mean to return to that strong, growing faith, that relationship with God that maybe you've allowed to just get a little bit cold. You're just a little bit distant. You've allowed that to, to be a little bit not like it was. And you've allowed the distractions of life to collide with your faith. Maybe you felt distant from God for quite a while. And maybe you haven't known what to do about it. But today is the day. For some of you, there might be a new step of faith that you need to take today into a relationship that you've heard others talk about, you've heard us mention it here at church every Sunday, and maybe you've just never taken that step to make it your own. This is the best adventure you can ever have in life, that adventure of faith in Jesus Christ and following him. And the eternal reward is worth 
every moment. Would you please stand with me? Just ask you to bow your heads here as we have a time. We just want to think about all that for us. If you want to recommit your life to Jesus Christ, to recalibrate that relationship with him, to go from a distant to a vibrant, growing faith, and you want to be close to God again and grow in your faith, just raise your hand. Thank you. If you've never taken that step of faith before uh, and you want that relationship with Jesus Christ, you want to have a faith of your own. If you're watching online too, you know, just wherever you're at, just raise your hand and say, yes, Lord, I want that. Thank you. Lord God, we thank you for the hands uh, today who have indicated they want more of you, Lord God. Jesus, we want to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. We want our lives to reflect you. Father, I pray that the things of the world would not have impact on us, that we would say no to those things, and we would say yes to the things of God, that we would spend time with you daily, that we would read the Bible, and we would meditate on it and see what it has for us in our life as we work, as we are at home, as we're with family, as we're out in in different areas. Father, I pray that you would just use your word to transform us into people who follow Jesus Christ with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our might. Lord God, I thank you that we don't have to do this in our own power. Holy Spirit, just fill us up from the top of our head to the soles of our feet with your power. Give us your wisdom. Give us your leading. Help us know what our purpose is in life. Help us to follow what you are showing us to do. Help us to be... Uh, aware of what your good and pleasing and perfect will is for us. Lord God, we thank you that we can come before you and you are there, just like the Father ran to meet the Son on the way home, Lord. And when we turn toward you, you run toward us. Lord God, we thank you that you loved us so much. You sent Jesus Christ to die for our sins and be raised to life again. And that power is available to us to live our life to follow you too. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for all you're going to do in our lives this week. We want to spend time each day reading your word, praying, and asking you, Lord, to impact our lives in a powerful way. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forevermore. Amen.